Hello and welcome to the Logistics Tribe. I'm your host, Boris Felgendreyer, and today I'm so excited to be able to discuss one of my all-time favorite topics, supply chain visibility. Countless attempts have been made in the last decade or so to leverage cutting-edge technology to give companies the transportation and supply chain visibility that they need to anticipate disruptions, proactively manage risks, and boost supply chain resilience. Literally hundreds of millions of funding has been poured into tech stacks that promise to finally deliver the visibility and control that every globally operating company is craving for. Yet, the end result of all these efforts has been quite sobering, <laughs> to say the least. So I invited a representative of one of the key players in the real-time transportation visibility space onto the show to discuss what's going on. My guest today is Anand Medepali, the Chief Product Officer of Shipio. Shipio is based in Paris, France and is considered a global leader in real-time multimodal transportation visibility, helping major shippers and logistics service providers to operate more resilient, sustainable and customer-centric supply chains. The company just launched an ambitious new product offering that it calls Transportation Process Automation. It's already used by Renault, a longtime key customer of Shepeos, and is supported by an interesting group of launch partners such as Google Cloud, E2Open and Forflow. Enough reason for me to take a close look under the hood to explore if what Shepeo is building here is indeed the future of transportation visibility. Let's go. Anand, welcome to the Logistics Tribe. Thanks for being on the program. Thanks for having me, Boris. Lovely to be here. Super excited to be talking about the conversation about this topic that I just introduced in my short intro. So the people that are on the line that are listening in, they know what we're about to get into. And a lot of folks will probably be very curious to hear your vision of how you're trying to bring transport visibility into the next age to the next level, so to speak. And maybe a bit of context and background. I've worked in this space for a number of years. And I started working in supply chain visibility and transportation visibility from 2009 to 2018, I believe. So nine years. So really, basically, since that whole notion of transportation visibility and supply chain visibility started, right? So I know the first iterations of cloud platforms that try to solve the supply chain visibility issue. So here we are now, 2023. And today, I'm no longer in the space, but I do talk to a lot of folks at manufacturers, at retailers, and a common theme I hear is that a lot of people are frustrated with the progress that's been made in that space. So 13 years later, 13 years of trying, different vendors, different platforms, different technology, different approaches, lots of money has gone into that space, especially the last few years, you know, with the boom of startup financing, heavily financed platforms that promise end-to-end visibility, yet there's tons of frustration in the market. So... Here you come, Shipio. I also have known for a long time. Actually, Lucien Bess, your boss, and one of the co-founders of Shipio, was one of the first guests, or actually the first guest on the Logistics Drive podcast. We talked about that same frustration a number of years back. This is two, three years now since we talked, and here you are, and you're inventing something new. Let's dive into it. Let's address all of those frustrations. Let's be very mm -hmm. frank about all the challenges that are in that space, that are inherent in that space. And then some of the solutions that you provide, how you take this whole space to the next level, so to speak. But before we get started, maybe give a short introduction around your background so people understand where you're coming from and what brought you to be the chief product officer of Shipio. Wonderful. There's a lot to unpack there. And, uh, <laughs> yes. And, and, and let's do that. So let's start with myself. Yeah. 
I'm a mathematician by training, originally okay. from India, and, and moved to the U.S. for my graduate school. Would you believe it? I studied pure mathematics. And, <laughs> and for my thesis, I accidentally came across this concept called mathematical optimization and fell in love with the topic and convinced my department to let me actually get my PhD in combinatorial optimization, even though my degree was supposed to be pure mathematics. They allowed me, and thank God they did. I'm one of those lucky guys who still uses that discipline till day. I've always lived in forecasting, optimization, eventually migrated towards big data analytics and, of course, artificial intelligence. And much to my chagrin, after I delved deep into neural networks, I realized that its heart is nothing but a regression model. Back to square one for me as I went around in cycle. I started my journey in travel transportation with American Airlines back in the day. And eventually, I, as one would do, I guess, I landed in transportation and logistics and supply chain. And what was then JDA, now Blue Younger, is where I cut my teeth into supply chain management. And then I left them and moved on to some building AI products and big data products for a couple of companies before I landed in Shipio, where I must say my passion for supply chain management, mathematics, big data, analytics, and product management all come together in this wonderful environment that is Shipio. So that's my background. When did you join Shipio? Just a quick question here. Yeah, so I joined Shipio in October of 2021. So you spoke with Lucia and he was your first guest. I did listen to that podcast in January of 2021 and he was talking about concepts that actually are what we continued with. So I joined them in October 2021. And since we referred to that first podcast, I mean, if you, if you recall, Lucia talked about the, the struggles with visibility. There was always visibility, let's be honest. I mean, it's not like Shipio and others came along and said, there's a new word in supply chain management called visibility. Visibility always existed, except that your warehouse management system had its own visibility and it was a manual process to get to the nub of it. PMS's mm -hmm. Uh, demand forecasting, inventory management, and everything. The biggest challenge was that once I did what I had to do, I literally had to just throw it over the fence to the other person or other department or other system. And if you look back on supply chain management, the focus back then was always about get the plants rock solid. And then you had fulfillment and you had execution. Disruptions always existed, but they were far and few in between. And you just had to come back and fix those things. So I joke about this. I say, let's plan, play golf, see what happened, adjust, and then plan and go play golf again. I mean, that was the mantra. What has changed significantly since then over the last few years? And COVID particularly exasperated this. I mean, everybody says COVID showed us that supply chain. No, it didn't. I mean, the fallibility of supply chain was always there. Just COVID exposed that even the supply side is weak. We always knew demand side had volatility, but the supply side now has volatility mm -hmm. and made the supply chain officers problem very difficult to manage both sides, supply and demand. So what was required was that how do we manage this? Disruptions are ruling now. Plans don't rule anymore. Disruptions are ruling now. And that's the reason why visibility, like we talk about today, came to the fore that if disruptions are majority of my headaches, I need to know what's going on because I can't keep up. I cannot plan disruptions. It's just a contradiction in terms. What can I learn from my disruption to take my next action? How can I make my next action as reasonable as possible if I don't understand it? And that gave rise to this. And luckily, technology came along with that, didn't it? 
suddenly ability to connect to ELD devices, ability to capture low orbit satellite signals, IoT devices, the unit economics started to come down a little bit. Now you hear about devices being set on train wagons, for instance. Airlines started to open up some of their information so that people can understand it. And these technologies came together in a perfect storm with the need for really, I need to know, not because it is fancy technology, it's just otherwise my business, I can't run my business without knowing what's going on. That's why this came about. Now, I'm taking time to talk about this because you can understand how difficult this is, right? Yeah. I mean, you have to get so many things together in order to make sense of it. Yeah. At the same time, you bring up a good point that a lot of technologies have evolved, which also created this expectation that, wow, look, we've been talking years and years how IoT is going to change the way we manage supply chains. And now we have cloud and the cloud is very ubiquitous and abundant and cheap and it can connect all these partners and we have APIs so different softwares can talk to each other. We have all of that. So yet yeah. I'm still going back to what the net end result is of the person that's trying to manage disruptions in a proactive fashion still finds himself or herself in a position where it's suboptimal. So let's unwrap where the disconnect is between all the technology theoretically being there that we need to get this done, to get this solved. At the yeah. same time, the end result isn't what people expected. Maybe it has to do with inflated expectations. We all know about the Gartner hype cycle, but at the end of the day, we've spent years and years. Different vendors have cut their teeth into it with deep pockets, with all the expertise of developers and all the expertise of supply chain experts taking a crack at this, yet the end result is still suboptimal to be diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your diplomacy is well noted and you're absolutely right. As a supply chain software vendor, I'll admit to that being the truth. Here is the thing. We are human beings. The moment we solve one problem, we find the next problem to solve, right? Until visibility wasn't there, people were just comfortable with their manual processes of figuring out, picking up the phone, faxing each other. This is the industry that is, put it charitably, very stoic or lagging behind modern technology. We know this. We love this industry. God bless it. But we know that's the reality. So when visibility came about and started to surface up, hey, this ETA is going to be delayed. This truck is going to come late to your plant. So what? Mm-hmm. That became the next question. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have enough safety stock. Okay, fine. I have enough parts to continue today, but the truck is going to come late, a day late. Okay, I can live with it. All right. Oh, I can't live with it because, oh my goodness, I'm operating a just-in-time plan. Now what do I do? And therefore, the expectations of visibility have moved from show me what's going wrong to tell me what to do about it. And that is literally the innovation or evolution of what we are doing is about. And the reason I'm having this conversation with you is that to basically help these organizations to actually take action turn visibility into action. Now, going back to Lucia's podcast with you over in 2021, he talked about this. He said CPO has been formed to surface up visibility, but then to make, you know, he called it supply chain automation, automating a process by which you can consume that information. And so we just continued down that path and we just said we'll focus on transportation processes. And that's why we're calling it transportation process automation instead of making it sound too lofty, et cetera. So two things we are talking about is once the visibility comes, the appropriate individuals or stakeholders, whether they are within the organization or trading partners outside the organization, they need to know about this. And can we create a collaboration on the platform that they can actually immediately take answers to it? Number two, 
Can the system learn from this? And next time such a disruption happens, can it automatically take action and inform the stakeholders that the answer is done? Remember, the preface is that too many disruptions, humans can't interact with all of them. And the third thing, which is the big thing that we are trying to push for is, why just solve that one incident, whether as efficiently and as smartly as possible, how can we make that information available to upstream processes so that if there's a structural issue that can be fixed? To give you a very concrete example, one of our customers operates an automotive OEM, operates a just-in-time plant policy. They rely on Shipio to get their ETS, the plant managers, day in and day out, that's what they do. They looked at some, and we have root cause analysis for what the ETA delay, et cetera. And we actually figured out that this particular truck arrives at the supplier plant to pick up the parts as asked to, and has a dwell time there because the supplier plant is not ready to load the truck. So there is wasted time. So now we surface the lab. So the plant manager is doing something about it. But the question is, shouldn't this information be immediately told to the person, the planner who is responsible for that supplier relationship? Yes, it's a first mile problem. Typically, supplier relationships are months ahead in advance, and those partners only get to know when they go to evaluate how their supplier performed. What if at the time that I inform the plant manager, I also inform the supply relationship manager to say, your supplier, this is the third time that he has done this. Could you have a conversation with them to make sure that this dwell time is minimized, please? In other words, the last mile issue has information that the first mile person can also act on today. Because the cadences, I mean, SNOP was a monthly process. It's a daily process. Planning was a quarterly, biannual process. It's a monthly process now. Tell me, how far do you think a supplier relationship management and network design process is going to stay? Are they going to stay a yearly process? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. This thing has to be pushed and automated so that a lot of stakeholders within the organization can act on it. And not being able to do that is the frustration that you're surfacing now. And that's what we are trying to see if we can solve. Yeah, and I think the frustration goes one step back, actually. And maybe that's a good opportunity for us to actually backtrack a little bit and move away from the new innovation that you're proposing. But let's step back and also talk about the folks that are just frustrated with the quality of data that's coming in the first place. So before you start thinking about automating processes and thinking about ways to communicate milestones or changes or alerts with the people that need to know, Let's actually talk about how you make sure that the alerts that are coming in and the disruptions are being reported and all of the stuff that's going on is actually the real-time visibility that Gartner is drawing a quadrant for. So maybe highlight for us how you've actually solved the data quality issue, that you can actually be confident that the data that you're feeding into your transportation process automation, that new innovation, is actually the data that should be relied on. Because oftentimes it breaks right there where it's like, All of this effort has been made to create timely, accurate, complete data. It already fails there because that data isn't there. And if that data isn't there, everything else you've just talked about is an illusion because you can't build anything on top of faulty or late or incomplete data. So let's maybe highlight a few things, how you go about making sure that the data is complete, is accurate, is timely, and all of the things that companies need to make business decisions. 100%. And you nailed it. I mean, think about, you'll never trust your GPS in your car if it tells you to turn left into an oncoming one-way street. Yeah. The reason you trust it and you do turn left when it tells you to turn left is because implicitly you know that the quality of the data that is feeding that automated response to your driving is accurate. 
Yep. And that is, so as much as we are proud of the innovation that we are launching at transportation process automation, we know that it is absolutely useless automation without high quality data and insights driving it is very clear. So Shipio continues to be a visibility company and our visibility data is the foundation of everything that we do. The company was founded and as Lucia mentioned to you, very clearly I understood that this was actually a data game. And if you look at, we can talk about Gartner MQs in a separate time, but you know, if you look at the latest report, the biggest kudos they give or the biggest trends they articulate about Shipio is the high data quality that we do. From day one, data quality has been in the DNA of the company and continues to be. One of the first few hires that this company did was data scientists, and that team still is intact, believe it or not, are passionate about it and day in and day out work on it. So the way we manage data quality is, first of all, I mean, of course, we connect with as many data sources as we can, as do many. I mean, we have over 200,000 carriers, whose ELD devices are something like 900 ELD devices in the world, telematic devices that we connect with. We are integrated with a whole bunch of TMSs and we are connected with the low orbit satellite signals like AIS, et cetera. To cut and, and we continuously collect that data. I mean, my CTO was telling me that roughly 6 billion data points pass through our system annually. So it's a lot of data. So therefore, we spend an inordinate amount of time cleaning that data. We use machine learning where possible, we look at the data where possible, but we continuously cleanse that data. And some of the reason why data quality suffers is because a carrier forgot to or miss a particular thing. So we have a dedicated carrier success team whose sole job is to keep monitoring that and call the carrier or ping the carrier or the system itself alerts them to say, hey, could you please pair this properly so that our tracking rate goes up. That's a good point. So you're still employing or you're still leveraging people, actual people that are calling and doing some manual work because sometimes the chain breaks. As you mentioned, there may be some carriers, there may be terminal operators, there may be transshipping points, 3PLs, whatever, that don't deliver the data as you would like. And that's still a manual yeah. footwork process to this day. There has to be. I mean, at the end of the day, no matter how much automation and processes that we can do, and our goal is to reduce friction in the system so that people, the manual mundane tasks that they keep doing is minimize and actually focus on the fact that why did that pairing break today and why could that data not go out today? The second thing that we do is contextualize the data. So arguably, because we are connected to all these telematic devices, we know exactly, we have micro geofencing all over. We know exactly where a truck is at any given point in time, but we contextualize it with the data that we collect from the TMS to know that truck was there. Oh, if they loaded the truck, so it's about to leave as opposed to it's still suffering through dwell time. And then if it's still not moving, then we know the truck is loaded, it's still not moving. What could be the other reason why it's not moving? So that kind of contextualization becomes very critical. And then, of course, don't get me wrong. I mean, this is a data game. And as a mathematician, I'll tell you, there will be some holes in data at all times, no matter what you do. So every prediction of mine will be wrong at some point in time. So we have a process by which we continuously monitor that and look at that and continuously clean the data. And because of all these processes that we put into, I mean, our algorithms, we are famous for saying 200 to 300 parameters are used in our algorithms, some of which could be internal, inherent within the data, some could be external data like traffic, weather, et cetera, whatever it is, we do that. I'll give you another solid example. Based on the AI signals, we have geofenced roughly 3,000 ports around the world. So we know, I mean, when we land on an aeroplane, they say, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Heathrow, we have landed. Well. Yeah, you have landed, but you're not at the gate yet. So I'm still there. Same thing happens at ports. And when a vessel says, I've arrived, they are still 
maybe half a kilometer out in the water waiting for a bird. So we geofence it so that we can actually always predict when it is ready for discharge, ready for a container to come out of there. So we geofence these ports. We also built algorithms because a vessel appears in many shipping line schedules, for instance, and it's funny to see each different shipping line predicts a different route or itinerary for that particular thing. So we have come up with algorithms to clean it up and say, what is the likely route? We predict blank sailings when they are likely to happen because that's one of the biggest headaches for shippers to not know that a particular port could be skipped or it could be delayed. How hard or how easy is it to predict blank sailings? And how do you do that? It's very hard. It's not an easy problem to solve. It took us a good six months of working through a lot of algorithms and things like that. But now we feel super confident that we have a handle on it. Just as a quick question, so that algorithm is looking at historical data to make predictions? Yes. So we have historical sailings and we have current vessel sailings and things like that. And like any forecasting algorithm, we came up with a unique algorithm. It's machine learning based, obviously, to figure out what is the likely route of this particular vessel going to be. So that gives us a little bit of confidence. So there's always a probability attached to it. I'm not going to say that, therefore, we have nailed it. No, it's not. It depends on a lot of factors. On that given day, the captain may have a good reason to skip the port beside any other thing. Usually we associate a port skill, oh, they didn't have enough cargo on it and they're waiting for more cargo to arrive. It happens in freight. We know this. Consolidation and skipping a sailing is a smart way of running a business. But there could be other reasons, too, that we are sensitive to to try and figure that out. So the, my point about the, all of this is that we have solved this challenge, but there will be the next challenge to come about. So my data scientists continuously are looking at ways to enhance the richness of this data and then the quality of the algorithms. We are so confident of what we do that we contractually obligate ourselves with to our customers about the quality of the predictions and the completeness of the milestones, completeness of the track or tracking rates, etc. Otherwise, we put our skin in the game with our own algorithms with our customers. So we don't leave them alone. We continuously do that. I literally looked at two emails that came across my inbox this morning before this conversation where I saw that, hey, this particular sailing says this, but this is happening. Can you explain? And my scientists are on it automatically to explain what that is. As much as data quality is also a thing, we are also working on explainability so that people can understand why that particular thing looks a bit off. Yeah. Let's take another example from the ocean shipping world in a way where geofence isn't, isn't going to solve your problem. Let's say, for example, you are unsure whether a container has made it onto the ship because the carrier has not given you the signal or for some reason that milestone is lacking behind a couple of days. How do you solve that? What do you do in that instance? That's a hard one. We rely on what are known as EDI 315s or that give us the milestones, the shipping lines. We are connected to a lot of shipping lines, like 35 or 40 shipping lines already. In, in fact, the top 10 we are connected to. So we, I think by our estimation, we cover roughly about 85 or 90% of containers that move. There are always new shipping lines that we need to connect with, etc. And we rely on their data that we are connected to to give us those milestones. And if somebody doesn't tell us, system has no way of knowing it, mm. except yeah. to know that the shipper or the forwarder says, looks like it didn't make it because there's some information that comes in. So yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say that, oh, we can predict when somebody will screw something up. But we try to capture that data as fast as possible. But And if you see that it's repetitive, in other words, it's happening a little more often than not, which is, again, going back to how do we predict blank sailings? I mean, this is what, based on historical data, we learn. And then we say there's a likelihood that on this port, 
when you deliver it during this day and this time, there could be an issue, just be on the watch out and alert, then being able to say, yes, they are going to not load that container on that ship. We look at roll-offs as they're called, right? They Sometimes if it made it from port A, comes to port B, and supposed to end up at port C as my destination, at port B it gets rolled off for whatever reason to be put on another ship. We predict those kind of capabilities as well, but we do rely on the data. Data source is pretty important there. And do you have a way of ranking, uh, measuring the performance of your carriers? For example, the shippers have a great interest in finding out whether Hapag Lloyd is doing a better job than Maersk is doing a better job. MSC, you know, like, and I know from my background, there's a big spread between the performance of these different carriers. And what tools do shippers have to collaborate with carriers to improve their performance there? You nailed the word. I mean, the whole point about all what we are launching with the transportation process automation or TPA is to fundamentally allow for almost real time or a, a diplomatic collaboration between all the players, all the trading partners, right? Shipping lines exist because shippers are giving them business. Shippers are able to do their business because there's a shipping line carry that it's a mutual benefit to raise both of their conversation to a level. And that's literally what we are trying to achieve with this. Which sounds great on paper, but in reality, it's more difficult than it's, it sounds. Yeah. But that said, you say it, and I take it on board 100%. But if you, for a second, if I deviate and come to the road solution, as we were born and brought up Europe in the road. Today, if you think about how a shipper for road transport works with their carrier, let's say a trucking company. Let's not talk about LSPs because they are more sophisticated. Let's say it's the mom and pop store around the corner with, a, with five trucks who will carry my load from A to B. Today, on ship your platform, the shipper would basically say, here is my transport order that I want shipped. And as soon as they enter it in Shipio, we automatically create, think of it as an email or whatever it is, an alert to the carrier to say, hey, you need to pick this up. And they click a link, self-service, easy to use. They get on our platform. They have full access to our platform like the shipper. And they pair and off you go. It is a very manual process between a shipper and a carrier without shipyo in between. They call each other, they talk to each other, and they make that happen. So that collaboration, yeah. everybody was like, maybe not. Today, yeah. that is the mechanism, and shippers and carriers collaborate with each other. And what we have in our system is dashboards that give a carrier their performance against all the shipments that they carry. We give shippers all the performance of all the carriers that they are employing. And when they talk, they will have information in their hands instead of he said, she said. And we are expanding that very philosophy to the ocean thing. And we actually already have rankings of how different ocean carriers are performing against various shipments. We are surfacing that we are going to industrialize it soon. We're going to surface that up as an availability. We call it, if you go to our website, you'll see something called a quality newsletter. We call it for whatever historic reasons. It's about quality of your performance or quality of your expectations. And we are going to expand that to the ocean carrier thing. Yes, absolutely. We have such data to be able to do that. Yeah, just to linger on that road transportation example for a second. It's great to hear that you allow people to move away from phone calls and just sort of an analog way of communicating with a mom and pop trucking company that's supposed to deliver something. And you mentioned telematic systems earlier, how they're tied in and you're getting signals from the truck so you know exactly when there's a truck delay, congestion or whatever. So your typical mom and pop carrier trucking company that's been contracted for the first time to do the particular job. How do you capture their telematic signal for the system and allow to measure when something's late? 
So and ELD devices that they have, the telematic devices that they have is what we need to know. And we most probably have integrations with those telematic devices already. And if it is a brand new telematic device that we have never heard before, we have now gotten to a stage where it takes us a couple of weeks to get that integration up and running. So all we need is for a shipper to give a letter of authorization to the carrier to say, give Shipio access. And as soon as the carrier says, go, here is my trailer hooked up to this particular truck, we immediately start tracking that. So we know how to do that. But there is a process we follow. I mean, obviously, we legally only track trucks during the journey and we start an hour earlier and we stop after an hour later. In other words, we turn off any tracking. We are extremely GDPR compliant and very sensitive to that. So we need our authorizations. And the telematic device is probably already known and is already part of our network anyway. So that is the network of network effects because it's a brand new carrier. doesn't matter probably what they're carrying is we already have it. We already created this network somewhere else, and that is the multiplying factor that we bring you here, the buzzword of network of networks. I like using it to explain how we are helping carriers get on board Shipio faster than not. Yeah, but there's still a certain fraction of truckers or trucking companies that will, for example, won't allow the access or have other reasons for not providing you the information. Does the shipper at that point know that they're flying blind? They do. So, for instance, when I talked about tracking rate, right? Sometimes, let's say they gave us full access but they just did a mistake or they just forgot or for whatever reason, we have the wrong pairing. Our tracking rate falls down and we can't track that truck and they fly blind at that point. However, when that happens, we alert the shipper and the carrier to say, we are not able to track anything here. This is the human in the loop. So that's why no matter how much I automate, humans will continue to be there, but they will focus on these exceptions to solve that. And sometimes we actually get to know from the shipper that, Hey, the driver called them to tell them that they're running late and we know that and we automatically have. So that human side of the story continues, but it is becoming more and more an outlier than the modus operandi of the transportation, if you will. And then we, I can't sit here and tell you it never happens. No, no, sure enough. So we covered two examples, one from the ocean shipping world and one from the transportation world, just to illustrate why these gaps exist and why it's so difficult to get it all 100% complete as an illusion. But there are these gaps, but there is ways to mitigate those gaps. And one of the ways you want to bring it to the next level is indeed with your transportation process automation. You've Correct. mentioned it briefly earlier, just maybe relaunch it again, restart it again. What is this new initiative and who's part of it and what are you trying to accomplish with it? All of the good stuff. Just give us the short pitch and we'll dive into some specifics. Excellent. I mean, in a nutshell, it starts with high-quality visibility data. I mean, there's mm -hmm. no question about that. We talked about it. And then the idea is, how can we reduce the friction or automate the processes around that information to make the visibility actionable so that we can reduce latency of decision-making and we can actually improve our efficiency and share information fast across the end-to-end -end supply chain, not just solve that granular one-off problem, but actually step back and say, this is useful for upstream processes. So structurally things could be fixed. I gave you the example of a truck being delayed at a supplier side. So that is in a nutshell, which means that automation of routine manual tasks. If I know that there is a timestamp or a truck delivery at a site, why should there be any argument about when exactly that got delivered and have discussions about penalties and chargebacks by the invoicing team. That need not be. It can be mm -hmm. automatically, hey, this was the exact time I sent it. And oh, by the way, 
here is the contract passage that governs this and here is the calculation for the cost and serve it up, create that invoice even and serve it up to the invoice analyst to validate as opposed to grab data, create, have it validated, reduce the cycle fast. And one of our customers is already doing that. So it's not something that we are saying it because it sounds cool, but it is literally what one of our customers is doing and mm-hmm. reports significant savings from that. Another great example of this is we work with our marquee customer, Renault, who actually mm-hmm. have taken this actionable visibility and actually built a control tower. I mean, it's their IP, they built it, but we were significant part of that conversation and all our data, all our predictions go into that. They build their machine learning models to figure out when this disruption happens, what are the alternatives? Now, no company has infinite ways of solving a problem. They have their own business process. They have four or five ways of doing that, but they do it manually. Technology now exists to automate that process so that the plant manager can actually manage the shift as opposed to managing an incoming truck. And those are the kinds of processes that we are trying to automate and reduce friction in the supply chain or at least in the transportation space. Yeah, and I saw in the announcement that you gave, there was a press release around this announcement, around this new innovation. There were a bunch of so-called launch partners. Help me understand what these launch partners are about, because some people might wonder, okay, is this Shipio providing the service? Is it a product or am I buying the whole shebang? Am I getting, you know, IBM Consulting and Snowflake and E2Open and all of these folks and Google into the boat? And is this going to be similar to an ERP <laughs> implementation sort of project? Or what am I dealing with? Let's shed some light onto what these launch partners are all about. Exactly. Frankenstein, it isn't. So that, that, <laughs> okay, I, good. that I can set that aside. No, we recognize that this is a problem. If I'm a visibility provider and we have built workflows to enable a lot of automation anyway, and if the idea is to actually enable the entire end-to-end supply chain to be more efficient, I would be foolish not to mention significant hubris on my part to say, I got it all. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, this is an ecosystem play. This is not... Okay one-person play. This is an ecosystem play. Now, we don't want to proliferate this, but we definitely want to identify like-minded or sharing the same vision and actually having complementary capabilities in order to bring to market. So E2Open and us, we announced a very deep partnership. They have an entire suite of end-to-end supply chain planning and execution solutions. Today, when they talk about their end-to-end supply chain solution and they'll map it, they will say, tell you their in-transit visibility is Shipio inside. And what we are saying is that we will take some of that and actually add it to what we have and offer it out of the box. Customers don't have to do the, anything on their own. The idea is this. At Renault, we work with Google. Google brought their infrastructure, data warehouse, BigQuery, Vertex AI, and external data, or what they call public data, to mm-hmm. bear on the control tower. And Renault built their machine learning models on top of ours to do their control tower. So that's a great example of a partnership enabling it because, and this is super important, transportation process automation is a customer's, their problem to solve. It is they who have that issue of friction in their supply chain. And what we are saying is we have answers and work with us. The fundamental requirement is high quality visibility data without which you're going nowhere. We got that. We got workflows. We got partners who can bring that other pieces of the puzzle that you need. Or in some cases, you may yourself have already those in which case we'll just hook in and enable those to be a lot better. IBM Consulting, because this is not just 
a technology play. This is also a mindset change management play because somebody who's used to just picking up the phone and solving the problem is now being told the system has got this. You focus on something else. That's change management. We are not going to be doing that. This is going to be a C-level conversation to drive change like Renault did. So that's right. Snowflake is our data partner. We use BigQuery from Google and we use Snowflake as our data warehousing capability. So what we wanted to highlight by putting this out there was fundamentally two things. One, it's an ecosystem play of supply chain solutions. And even technology, and this is pretty unique in how we did it, was to say that different technologies can come together seamlessly in the benefit of the customer. Mm-hmm. So over time, who knows, we may build more and we may have enough, but I don't want to. I want to focus on what Shipio's strength is, which is visibility, predictions, workflows, and then let the planning systems come from somewhere else. Let the TMSs come from somewhere else. I don't want to be any of that. I just want to, I'll sound cheesy when I say this, I really want to unlock the value of all these systems that are powerful systems that are stymied because they are database-oriented architecture, so they need batch processes to run to give the next information. We are an event-based architecture. Every event, we can deal with everything in real time. We can be there for a blanket over all these things to provide you with the tools necessary to get through the day and let the night take care of what needs to be taken care of behind the scenes. That's the vision. That's the plan. And that's the go-to-market that we have in mind. And we already are having amazing conversations along these lines with some very innovative, progressive customers in the market. Yeah, so far is Renault the best showcase where you bring this entire ecosystem that you just described of partners to bear? Or so all of these folks, all the Google, Forflow, E2O, Open, Snowflake, IBM consulting, they were all involved in this Renault case? No, no, Renault, it was Google and us supporting Renault and their IT team as they went about building the control tower. So that was that. E2O, Open, and us are going to market in a lot of places. In fact, there are a few customers, joint customers, where we are talking about this. Ironically, I mean, one of the RFPs that came around literally asked for this. They didn't say transportation process automation. They were saying, we want visibility, but we also want the ability to solve the what to do with it. They literally phrased it like that. So there is pull coming from the market as well for e open and us. With respect to Forflow, we have been partners with them for a very long time. In fact, I have to give them credit because as I was thinking this through as to what this all means, they were my sparring partner. I spent a lot of time in Berlin and they in Paris debating back and forth about this and they are an amazing partner for us. IBM Consulting is new to me in this particular conversation, but they have a supply chain practice that will benefit from our visibility data. And again, I want to emphasize TPA or transportation process automation is a customer solution. So mm-hmm. IBM has control towers, they have various things. What they miss is visibility data. They have workflows. So I don't need to bring my workflows All I want to do is plug in CPO visibility data and insights into that so that the customer will, their customer will benefit from an enhanced control tower and enhanced transportation process automation experience. So there's zero pride in us having to do everything, but every ounce of my passion is about solving the customer problem. And if it takes a village to do it, which I strongly believe it does take a village to do it, I think I found a nice set of villagers to go there and be the village for the customer. 
Yeah, what kind of customer is this the best fit for? I mean, you mentioned Renault, they're already using it. So we're talking about a global, really, really large organization, global footprint, super complicated supply chains, just in time and all of the stuff that makes it super complicated. Who else is like the prime target in terms of industries and even also geographies? I mean, obviously, automotive OEMs are a uh -huh. strong thing. I mean, what is it, Peter Drucker, who called it the industry of industries. So if you can solve an automotive OEM thing, you probably have solved a lot of specific industry problems. So they're definitely up there. CPG as well. Any organization that has significant inbound flows and outbound flows will benefit from that. But here's the thing, and let's step back into data as well. Somebody asked me this question. Why have not the big vendors, and I don't want to name anyone, why have not the big vendors, and the, okay, fine, the SAPs and the <laughs> yeah. companies, why have they struggled with going down market, right? I mean, these are all big companies solving big company problems, and they mm -hmm. all struggle trying to address the SME markets, etc. I mean, my opinion was, if you think about a typical project that any of these companies did, and I was part of that companies and I was part of implementing forecasting and optimization solutions in supply chain, etc. First six months went just collecting data, just creating a sense of what is the source of truth? What is master data? Oh, we have a master data, but that master data is in ERP. Your TMS has its own master data. How does this all link up? So just collecting data and making sense of it was the biggest critical path that we could take. By the time we got to any results, it was already a year in, no ROI. Visibility came along and democratized data because we don't need anybody to give us data. We turn on tracking for a customer in two days flat. We collect the data. We bring the data. So visibility platforms came along and made a quick ROI in supply chains a reality as opposed to the promise of quick ROI from all these other solutions of the past. So visibility made it a big equalizer. So it doesn't matter how big or how small you are you can get going with visibility tomorrow. So whether you are a massive company or a tiny company and you're moving that one container, I'm tracking that container. So I can give you the same, both the same information. Suddenly it got equalized. I really believe the same is true of transportation process automation. You do manual processes. Doesn't matter how big company or small company. You may have naughty K-N-O-T-T-Y, naughty problems here, manual problems that I need to untangle. You may have certain simpler because you're small. Doesn't matter. Manual processes, friction, cause friction in your thing. I really think TPA will be an equalizer for all these companies to be equal virtuosos in playing that piano. Just because I have a grand piano and I have a keyboard, I am no less a musician. I want to unleash my creativity. And I genuinely believe that TPA is that, much like Visibility did for being able to get information about what's happening in the supply chain. Yeah, does that mean you're going to go down market with this product, or with the entire direction? Down market sounds so negative. Down market, you know, no, no, just say you're, you're expanding, you're expanding front foot, yeah. Any, <laughs> any businesses, right? I mean, clearly, you know, the big conversations will happen with the big, big companies and we have that in our target, right? We have big, big companies as our customers. So we'll go and have that conversation because this is an upsell. This is an upgrade of visibility into something more clear. Mm -hmm. And some companies, by the way, have their control towers. And we'll say, let's plug into that. That's fine. We have hundreds of customers. And not all of them are big. We have some customers that are very small. We're going to have a conversation with all of them. We are going to go to all of them and actually prove that this works as an upgrade from what we have to this capability and prove to the world that for the first time, 
You don't need to be a huge company to get the benefit of this innovation. If you have manual processes around supply chain visibility, we have an answer for you. Yeah, and Anand, you mentioned that you've already talked to a large number of customers or prospects and they, they all liked the idea. What are some typical misunderstandings or skeptical questions you get? What are the typical things that people don't understand about it? When they first hear it, not everybody gets it right away. What are some of the obstacles or some of the things that people just don't get about it that need to be explained? What are some typical objections? Let's phrase it that way. Funnily enough, I mean, and I'll sound horrible when I say this, I actually am not getting that. They're saying... No, that's too easy an answer. Yes. You can't give me that answer. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I will tell you the yeah. potential objections that are going to come as I go. But they're saying, yes, we have that problem, is what they say. When I explain the problem to them, that this is the problem, you want resilient supply chains. What does resilience mean? It, it, you know, if you just go back to a textbook definition of resilience, it's two things. Find the root cause. We do that today with our visibility data. We can tell you the root cause. We have to spread that upstream to planning and, and, and design as well. Sure, that's it. And second, do you have enough tools in your toolkit to come back to the pre-crisis state? So that's what TPA is. So you are talking about resilient supply chains. One half of it is solved today with visibility. You need the second half to act on it and fix it and let the system learn so that you don't have that resilience. I mean, that's what we do, right? I mean, when we feel bad about something, we do something to overcome that and figure out why did I feel bad in the first place and try to avoid that trigger. That's what this story is about. So it resonates, right? It absolutely resonates. Mm -hmm. Get it. it also resonates and helps the fact that, you know, we launched this at the conference in Barcelona last week. Yep. On the stage was I. I spoke for, you know, five minutes maximum. And that is a record because everybody who knows me says I talk a lot. Five minutes, I was <laughs> done. The next 15 minutes was Quinn Yu from Renault who got up and presented what they have done and why this is a real thing. And we were mobbed to ask, and the questions being asked, and genuinely the question was asked was, how do you change people's minds, the mindset, the change management? Though that was a big challenge they were asking. And yes, there are technical questions about how does this integration work? Can you really extract that data? Can you really inform that? Because if you say, for instance, um, you know, in one particular example that Quinn Yu from Renault was expressing, there was this border congestion took place between Turkey and Bulgaria. And we knew that that would be delayed. It was critical part. So we had options, various options. We could airlift it, we could do that. But instead we decided to expedite an additional truck driver so that that guy could drive it back. Well, how did that process work? It works because they have a carrier portal where carriers are bidding for Renault's business. So when this system figured it out, it put an alert there and they do that. So the question is, how will that work? Yes, there's a technical component to this. That's why we have partners so that we are not the only ones doing that. So the biggest challenge is going to be, is your data going to be trustworthy? And we have to prove yeah. that. Is the automation going to be really real? Can you really make sure that it integrates across systems? We have to solve that problem. And will people adopt it? This is a classic three questions that will come our way. But I, at least so far, have not heard anybody saying, oh, we don't have that problem. Everybody, yeah. big, small, medium say, you're right, we have that problem, but we don't know how to go about it. Yeah, and totally today, that makes sense that a lot of people would easily recognize the problem that you're trying to solve. I guess the proof is in the pudding. So if the system works, it works and everybody's happy. I guess people have to try it out and we'll have to hear from the first case okay. studies that go beyond Renault just to see if that actually is working. And of course, it's a learning curve. There may be some kinks to, to iron out in the beginning, but in the long term, hopefully this will solve people's issues and problems as designed. I sure hope so. 
<laughs> I hope so. I mean, it, you know, you're onto something when you ask that question, by the way. I mean, if you look up, PwC came up with this digital trends in supply chain or something like that. So they have a survey that came out. 83%, I believe, uh, were the number of executives who said that their supply chain technology was not yielding expected results. Mm. Yeah. So despite this progress, there is recognition that what they have today, including visibility, is necessary, but not sufficient for what their problems are solving. So that's the reason why we believe the sufficiency comes from them being able to do something with that information to resolve issues. And we are placing a bet on that this will take us, like we placed a bet on visibility all those years ago when the when Lucia and Pierre founded this company. Now we are expanding to enabling these things. So hopefully that is the solution. Now only to find another problem to solve in the years to come. Awesome. Fantastic closing words. Anand, thank you very much for taking us through this journey and for answering all our questions. It was super interesting, super exciting. This is a space obviously know well and I like. It's very dear to my heart and I've been frustrated that more progress hasn't been made. But as you describe it, maybe relief is on the horizon. Let's all hope that that's the case and that TPA, which you actually trademarked, right? You do, you do trademark transportation process automation, TPA? Yeah, we have, as one says, right, from your lips to our customers' ears. May that be the truth. And I genuinely believe this is the next evolution that needs to happen in supply chain management. And I hope that, uh, you, know, we have, you know, we continue to have these conversations. And I absolutely enjoyed thoroughly this. Thank you for giving me the stage and look forward to our next chat. Absolutely. Until next time, take care, Anand. Thank you, Boris. Cheers. Bye-bye. All right. That was the Logistics Drive podcast episode with Anand Mayday Pally from Shipio. I hope you enjoyed today's show and I'm always happy to hear your feedback. So please feel free to reach out to me. My LinkedIn details are in the show notes. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of the future episodes. I'm Boris Felgendreher. Until next time. Mm-hmm.